Heavenly Father, we approach your throne very carefully today. We thank you that, Father, your presence is amongst us, in us, and through us, because you have placed your spirit in your people. Father, you have called us light and salt. You have given us the mandate to reach the lost. Father, you have called us to take your gospel to the ends of the earth. And I pray, Father, that as we approach your word, we see and understand clearly and truthfully what you want from us in those requests. Father, there are pitfalls for all of us, saved and unsaved. So as we come into your presence today, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would very clearly open your word to us, that we would honor your word as it was given, and that we'd be careful with it as we give it. Father, be here in our midst. Be with us. Teach us. Comfort us. Strengthen us. And if necessary, save us if we do not know you. We thank you, Father. We ask in the name of Jesus for your anointing upon the word that is given, the words that received, and what is spoken. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to talk to you today about something that is in the forefront in our country right now. And... um, I think that we need to, as Christians, deal correctly with this problem. Sometimes we look and we see other people outside and we see the world and we see that they have a problem. And we can quickly identify their problems, can we not? Because as Christians, we know what's right and what is wrong. And so, when we, when we identify a problem, sometimes we, um, we handle it incorrectly or we deal with it in the flesh. And so, I wanted to talk to you today about something that, again, is it's, uh, being um, thrust upon us. And I think we have to be careful with it in our lives. And so, I wanted to talk to you today about pride. Uh, it's not a comfortable thing for me because um, I've, I've always been a pretty prideful person. Before I got saved, uh, I thought that I was everything. You know, it all revolved around me. I was very selfish and self-centered. And um, I, didn't, I didn't understand giving glory to God. In the area of pride, it's the absence of giving glory to God. And so, I asked this question of myself today. What causes man to walk from truth and follow that which is clearly wrong? Now, we understand that uh, Romans in chapter 1 says that if we exchange the truth of God for a lie, that God will um, give us over to a reprobate mind. And we see that in our society in almost everything. Uh, truth is subjective, is it not? It's, it's come down to my truth, and don't tread on my truth. It's what I believe. We have this spectrum of what people believe is truth and what they don't, and truth is really a very narrow thing. 
It's defined by the word of God. And it's defined by God himself because he is true. And so we have to stay focused on him in everything that we do. So as, the, uh, as our nation celebrates pride this month, I want us to think about how dangerous it is for us and for our nation. Man has forgotten when he com- where he comes from when he gets into pride. Where did we come from? The dust, right? And where he returns to. Where do we go to? The dust. <laughs> I mean, how important are we then? If we are just made of dust, and when we live, and when we die, we go back to the dust. What do you guys do with dust on your floor? Ladies, vacuum it, sweep it, throw it outside, yell at your husband for tracking it in, you know. Do you ever wonder if you're tracking people into your house from just a thought? I know, you guys are going, man, I'm glad I go to this church. Think about it. How important. Now, if you're a dirt worker, and you move dirt, and you do stuff, and you make your living out of dirt, it's pretty important to you. You know, you got to move it around. But honestly and truthfully, what is dust worth? It's nothing. It is what is inside that dust that matters. See, the Bible says that God took the dust of the earth... And he formed man and then he breathed the essence of life into him, who he was. And that dust became a living soul. The worth of the dust only came into being because of the presence of God. And so our existence today, whether we live to God or don't, this body will go back to the dust where it came from. As a matter of fact, this body that we're living in, as you fully know, is under a curse. It's dying every day. It, it's just going that direction. You have to brush your teeth in the morning because it's decaying. Maybe some of you don't, probably should, but you know. I mean, if we think about it, we, as Christians, we have been given the grace of God. By receiving what Christ did on the cross, we received that work that he did. And just as we did with this meal today, we have, for lack of a better word, we have the blood of Jesus across the doorpost of our life. And the death angel passes over us. Now, does that not mean, does that mean that we're not going to physically die? Yes, we are going to. But the most important part of this that we need to remember is that we, we, this body is going back to the dust. That which is of worth that God gave us and is, is going to live forever eternally. Mankind will live eternally somewhere. Amen? There is no going into the dust and just the, the circle of life, you know. It makes me want to sing that, uh, that song, the circle of life, you know, every time I hear that. It's just, it's not, there is no circle of life in that sense. We are born, we die, and we go back to God. And so, if we forget where we came from, inevitably, we'll fall into pride. Proverbs four eighteen through 19 says, But the path of the righteous is like the dawn, which shines brighter and brighter 
until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. See, if, and, and remember, our righteousness, when, when the Lord is talking about the path of the righteous, it's not in what I've done or what I can do. It's what He has done for me. Salvation, if, you, if I can just help you with this a little bit. When I read that, I see that uh, as, a, as a Christian, when I, be, when I become saved, the light comes on. I was living in darkness. And I didn't know. I stumbled. And I did things because people stumble around in the dark and they don't even know what they're stumbling on. And the writer of Proverbs shares this thing so that I understand that the righteousness that is in me is like the light of dawn. As you sit, um, I love sitting on my my deck. It faces to the east. And I'd love to sit there with a cup of coffee and just watch the sun come up. And I watch. I, I like to watch the, the prairie and the pasture behind my house change from shade to shade. And finally, things that um, I couldn't see when it was a, you know fairly dark, suddenly I can make out. That's what it's talking about. Is uh, As we walk with God, as we allow Him to work His righteousness in us, we walk further and further and further away from the darkness because we see more things of light. And that's our walk in the Lord. That's that sanctification process of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When the Holy Spirit comes in us, we are sanctified in heaven, in Christ. But there is the process of working through this cursed flesh and keeping it under control. That's a good place for an amen. Anybody have problems with their flesh? I, <laughs> I had a little problem with my flesh this morning. I needed a donut. And I'm going back to the, the kitchen. Sorry, just a, just a little side note. And I'm going back to the kitchen and I said, do you really need a donut? Oh, boy, I got to have a donut. I just, mm, I want to have a donut. So I went back and had a donut. Now, there's no sin in it. I don't think, but I found myself, I was, I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, the, the flesh and all the things, and I still got it. I still, there are certain things that I struggle with. We all are going to have these things in this flesh. You know, we want to feed, we want to eat, we want to, you know, all the things that we do, and those things, there's, there's nothing wrong with them in moderation. I, you know, if I sit down and eat 12 donuts a day, I'll probably be with the heart surgeon, right? So I have to be careful. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. Now understand, the people outside these walls, they don't understand. They were like we were at one point in our lives. I was in darkness. You were in darkness. You might even be in darkness today in this room and not even know. But it says that the wicked, uh, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. When we see people sinning, when we see people doing things wrong, and the only reason we know that it's wrong, the only reason we know that it is sin, is because we either used to live that way and we've been set free, but mostly, mostly it's because the Spirit of the living God dwells in us, and we see that. And it should grieve us more than it should anger us. Right? So, when we see the world, and again, I have to be mindful when, I, when I'm at, at odds with people outside in the, in the world. 
when I see them doing things wrong. I, and, and I'll tell you what, um, our constant instant information is a curse. Because it, it causes us to become very angry because it's something that we see that we can't have control over. And usually human beings that aren't in control struggle. And they do dumb things. Um, as Christians, we struggle against sin in our lives. But, you know, when we see sin going on, how it affects our nation, how it affects people, we can become angry. And I just... Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being angry at sin. There's nothing wrong with hating sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible commands us to hate sin. The Bible does not allow us, does not allow us to hate people. The Bible, the Word of God, God's Spirit in us does not make room for us to hate people. If we do, we're not of God. So we have to be able to sort out those emotions which we are going to have and be mindful that the Lord himself is the judge of all flesh. Do we know where we were headed? What were we saved from? Have you forgotten, have I forgotten that I was saved from the wrath of God? Saints, I've shared with you, but... Uh, when I was in college, I, I reached a point in a, in a certain uh, time where I literally ran into God in a moment. And I, I was underneath His wrath. And I'm going to tell you what, saints. There is no amount of pleading. There is no begging of forgiveness. There is nothing that you can do to appease that wrath. I did everything. I prayed all the prayers. I I did scripture. I did everything that I knew. And it wasn't enough. It is the most terrifying moment in my life. That is what the world outside these walls is facing. Inevitably... At the end of that wrath, there's separation from God for eternity in hell. A place that burns with fire that is eternal. And saints, as Christians, we know that. We should understand that. We shouldn't just be like, well, I'm glad it's me and not you. Or you and not me. Saints, we are required by the Lord to reach the lost and I know that some ways it seems like it's getting harder and harder. But I'm going I'm to tell you this. If the Spirit of Christ dwells within you, who made those people, He understands how to reach them. And we as Christians need to pray. We as Christians need to find the Word of God. The Apostle Paul sharing here. He's in the middle of Corinth. Corinth was, was one of the wealthiest cities in the world. And it was just uh, idol worship and pagans everywhere. And he didn't go out and he didn't rail against them. He prayed and went out and shared. And God made appointments for him to meet people. And then changing those people, they go out and they meet people. And they change people. Saints, this thing is done through prayer. It's done through meeting. It's done through lack of um, hatred 
And I'm going to tell you what, it's easy for us. Me too. I, boy, I tell you what, I, I've had individuals and things in my life that I have hated. And that's not God. As a Christian, I am called to love my enemies. I mean, I had a, I had a man that, um, at a meeting, I went and prayed. I was leaving. I was telling everybody, hey, have a good Thanksgiving. I reached up and put my hand on his shoulder. And he and he's looked at me and said, you touch me again. He said, I'm going to punch you in the face. I thought, well, everybody likes me. I'm a nice guy. I said, well, sir, I didn't hit you. Yes, you did. If you hit me again, I will punch you in the face. Well, it's in a public place. So I'm like... You know, if I was in, before I was saved, I might have dealt with that differently. Might have bit something off of him. But I can't. I'm, I'm faced with an individual that is so angry with me, looking for a fight. Literally waiting for me to do something so that he can be justified in his sin. I'd like to tell you I passed that test with flying colors. All I could do is walk away. And I thought, oh my gosh, what if he calls the police and they come to my house and arrest me in front of my wife because I just reached and touched somebody. And he believed that I hit him. I have to change. But see, saints, what the Lord has done for me in my moments when I see him now at meetings, I don't hate him. I fear for him. Because he is in darkness and he's stumbling over what he doesn't even know. You see, I have the privilege of knowing the God of the universe who has saved me. He has rejected And he needs to get back to that place. So guess who's praying for who? God is now directing me to pray for him. Now, it's been a long time since I prayed for somebody that threatened to punch me in the face. But that's something that the Lord has done. He has moved in my life. And, then, and I share this with you not to tell you how righteous and great I am. Because I'm, I'm not perfect in all that I do with this. Because there are times when I, when I think about it, I think, man, you know, but I have to come back. The Lord directed me to pray for him. I want to see him in heaven. I want him to understand the fullness of the glory of God as I do. I want him to be free from the darkness. I want him to... Be righteous so that when he walks in the dawn and it shines brighter and brighter till he gets to that full day and understands. You see, this thing of pride has to do with boasting. It's often used in the Old Testament and and it's done in such a way of, of raising the eyes to heaven in an arrogant way against the throne of God. And when it is done, it's always brought judgment. Nebuchadnezzar, for example. Nebuchadnezzar, who the Lord raised up and conquered the world. And the Lord warned him. He was the king of Babylon. And the Lord warned him not to get into pride. 
But it says one day he stood on the top of his wall and he looked out on all that he had done. And he boasted and said, look at what I have done by my great power. And the Bible says that God struck him down with madness. And for seven years, they turned him out into the grass and he walked on his hands and knees. His hair grew long. They never cut it. And his fingernails grew for seven years. And it says he ate grass like an ox. The most powerful man in the world that God had raised up and had given control of the world, literally. And the Lord told him, I have placed you in this position. I have done this for you. And he turns around and lifts his eyes up and boasts and said, I have done this. The Bible says at the end of seven years, he looked up, lifted his eyes to heaven in a different way. And he confessed that God was God. And God forgave him and raised him back up and placed him upon the throne. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of the evil and perverted speech, the Lord says, I hate. We as believers have to be constant in our guard against pride. It's subtle, it's deceptive, and then grows into a cancerous growth, feeding off of itself, and separating us from our Creator. You might sit here today and say, well, I don't have any pride. Good. Don't be proud about that. See how much of a trap this thing is. Without God, we're in trouble. Jesus warned us about what is in our heart and what happens when it is renewed. Or revealed. In Mark chapter 7 verse 14 through 23. He has just had a conversation with the Pharisees. Who were talking to him about not washing with clean hands. Or eating with dirty hands. And there historically if you understand. the, the, The Jews believed that demons lived on unclean hands. And so you always washed them before you ate. Otherwise you ingested that demon. And then it defiled you. And so if you ever wondered why Jesus shared this, that kind of gives you a a historical understanding of it. It says, "And, and he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand there's nothing outside a person that is going to in him that defiles him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? How would you like to have walked with Jesus and asked a dumb question? Do you not see that where, where whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach? Notice the distinction. And is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, 
deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. You read that and you go, well, I'm doomed. Right? I mean, when you look at it, and, and saints, this thing should always take us to a place of understanding our inability to fix it. Our inability to make it right. Our inability to be righteous in ourselves. <coughs> Excuse me. The renewal of the heart and the mind that comes with confessions of our need for Christ, which should be continual, by the way, helps us to discipline the flesh, which is still a part of this cursed world, and will constantly be drawn to the things of the world and the pride that goes with it. Absence of God, we will always drift towards pride. <coughs> always. The Apostle John writes this, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, and what? The pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. All of these things are going to pass away. None of these things that Jesus talks about has its place in heaven. If we have them in us and we are uh, working uh, over time to perfect foolishness or pride or slander or envy instead of submitting it under the spirit of the living God and, and humbly walking with him we will not spend any time in heaven because those things cannot go there Proverbs chapter 21 verse 24 says, Scoffer is the name of the arrogant haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. And that word scoff means to show contempt by derisive, oh my gosh, Campbell County graduate, I can't read, derisive acts or language. Not derisive means contemptuous. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit. Before a fall. You see, there's a militant pride which is easy to spot. And there is subtle pride that festers under the radar and causes one to believe that they're okay. Now, like I said, it's easy to spot the militant pride. We see that in our society around us all the time. And it and it grieves us, and as it should. But it should also cause us to come to a place of prayer, knowing that the only thing that changes that militant attitude is the thing that changed your militant attitude and brought you to Christ. Oh, we were all enemies of God, the Bible says. We were actually militant in it. We lived boldly against his will and his way. Before we were saved. There seems to be a pride though. That the Lord does not rail against. It's steeped in the knowledge. That God has done the work. 
or is doing the work. It is continual acknowledgement of what God is doing or has done in your life and in the lives of others or in the circumstances or deeds that you do. As Christians, we can have pride. Now, I'm going to be very careful here so you understand. Because there is an understanding of having a, um, a pride in family. Okay? The Apostle Paul used the word boasting. And it's the same word in the Greek as pride. Boasting. But he uses the word boasting and it was towards the churches that God had allowed him to plant. And in watching them grow in the Lord. See, if our heart stays humble, we can avoid the temptation to say that I have done this. Or look at my great deeds. This is why staying in lockstep with God's Spirit is essential in the world we live in. If you separate from God, especially in these days, it's tough. Don't let the enemy cut your mooring line. Don't let him tear your anchor chain. Stay with Jesus. Because it's difficult to get back against the current that is going today. We will have pride in our children, in our jobs, our businesses, houses. But it all has to be glory given back to God about what we obtained or maintained those things. Who is your source? We have to be reminded of that always. Who is your source? Who's your protector? Who's your savior? And most importantly, who is your Lord? Don't fall into the devil's trap, which causes you to lift your eyes and say, look what I have done. Or who I am. See, we could look at this church that many of you built. It's a nice building. You get compliments on it all the time. We can be prideful about that. But one of the things that I've always been appreciative of as a people is you've been very humble about it. You understand the purpose of this building. This building is not holy. It's not sacred. Thank you. This building is not sacred and holy. This platform and this lectern that I stand with is not holy. What is in it is holy. You. This building can be taken away by a storm, can be taken away by fire, can be collapsed by an earthquake. And this church will still survive. We can become prideful as a, as a church about the work that we do in Africa. Saints, you know, there a lot of people, a lot of people have access to water because of your faithfulness and giving. Clean water. There's a lot of things that you can become prideful in. 
your family. Oh, you know, I've raised them up correctly. Have you now? Who gave you that family in the first place? Well, yeah, yeah, I know. But, you know, it's my job to take care of them. I'm telling you what. If you're not praying hard over your family, you're missing it. Even after they're grown. You know, uh, I lived under the misconception that once I got my children up to 18, they were on their own. Thank you, Jesus, for taking care of stupid people. Our Carrie and I's prayer lives have gone up ex- exponentially. Well, my son went and got married. Well, that doubled the prayer right there. My daughters got married. That tripled the prayer. They have children. Oh, my lanta. Prayer, prayer, prayer. And then, have you. And this church is growing, which makes it more. So I just threw a kind of a shotgun prayer out for you. Oh, Lord, take care of your church. Saints, this is about him and not us. This is being mindful of where we came from. Not scoffing, not being militant as the world is. Not celebrating Psalms 29.23 says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. See, we can look at the world and we can say, Boy, you know, they're so proud and they're doing this, and we miss the fact that we probably have some of the same problems in our lives. There will be retribution and judgment upon all who are haughty and proud. That day is coming. We should be fearful. Fearful for the ones trapped in this deceit. And pray for them. As Lot did over Sodom. His righteous soul, the Bible says, was vexed. And he prayed because he prayed and kept his heart right. God brought deliverance to him and to his family when Sodom was destroyed. I'm going to tell you what, saints, if you don't keep your hearts right, you can be swept away with all of this. Doesn't mean that you're going to lose your salvation. Not saying that. But when the writer of Hebrews said that Lot's righteous soul was vexed and he prayed over Sodom, Ezekiel shares what the problem with Sodom was. We all have an we have this idea of what the problem with Sodom was, right? Let me share with you what the Lord said the problem with Sodom was. Behold, Ezekiel chapter sixteen forty nine through fifty. This was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease but did not aid the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. Excess of food and prosperous ease and pride and not aiding the poor and the needy. 
What was it that brought God down? A group of people who had forgotten him. Isaiah 2.11 says, The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted on that day. Isaiah 2, verse 12. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low. The best way to go forward in a world that seems to be out of control is to stay humble and keep our eyes on Him. I've always admired Moses. Moses always knew when judgment was coming. If you go back and you look at at his life, Moses knew when to duck. You know what I mean? When he knew that God was angry with the people, he got on his face and got as low as he could because the people behind him that were standing were going to be in trouble. It's those that are lowly in heart those who keep themselves humble, those that know when to duck, survive. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. I just have to read it in the King James. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. How are we supposed to walk with God? Arrogantly, boastingly, or humbly? Knowing when to duck, but ever vigilant, knowing that those outside these walls need what we have. They're lost. They're in darkness. You and I are seeing the dawn every morning. I mean, we see the dawn in our lives. It's just getting lighter and lighter and lighter until full day when we walk into the full presence of Jesus Christ. The world outside continues to stumble into darkness, and they believe their own lies. They believe the lies of the enemy. The enemy of this world, the God of this world, hates God's creation. And if he can pervert it, and if he can change it, if he can lie to it, he will. Saints, we have the truth. We are not the truth. We have the truth. And that truth needs to be shared. We have the spirit of the living God dwelling within us. And we need to know what to do. How do we know what to do? We go to the word. He hath shown thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to love just, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly. With thy God. Saints, in all that we do, 
whether it's our family, our businesses, whether it's our, our relationships, whatever we do, we have to stay humble. We have to keep our hearts underneath God. We have to stay on our faces. We have to walk humbly with Him. It doesn't mean that we don't address things outside. It doesn't mean that we don't deal with things. It doesn't mean that we don't confront See, the Bible does not allow me to hate. But it also doesn't allow me to affirm sin. What does it want me to do? To walk humbly with Him. To love mercy. And so saints, as as Christians, I think that we... We need to keep our minds stayed on him. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusts in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. We're in a world that needs Jesus and you have it. You have what the world needs. Amen? All right. Let's stand. Still good to be saved? I know she's sitting further and further back thinking, maybe he'll forget me today. I have a lot of girls in my life. This is my absolute favorite. Now, you all understand my girls are my grandchildren, right? Okay. All my children by my first wife are doing good. But boy, they make me pray. It's an honor, saints. It truly is to walk with you and walk with God together. I encourage you to stay humble before the Lord. Be mindful when people come up and they they try to trap you into pride by saying, oh boy. It'll happen all the time. But saints, always deflect it back to the Lord. Man, your business is so good. Yeah, it's a good thing God's doing it. Man, your marriage looks great. Wasn't because of me. It was God. Oh, your children... His too. Your your car, eh, it'll die, but it's okay. Saints, everything here stays here. Except for you, who you are inside. Everything else goes back to dust. What's worth it? Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. You are the church of the living God. You have the spirit of the living God dwelling within you. You have been empowered by him to reach the lost. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But preach the gospel in every way. If necessary, use words. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your church. Thank you for their lives. I pray, Father, that you would be 
working in us and, and help us to be mindful and point out to us where we are caught in pride or are or, or not giving you glory. Father, we, our desire is not to raise up our eyes to heaven and be haughty in any way about anything, our salvation, anything. I, the only way that I can be prideful in my salvation is what you're doing in it, in me. So, Father, that's your work. I just pray that, Father, as your word says, that we walk, uh, as, as, as the dawn brightens, we see more and more and more, and that we would walk with you. Father, it is your righteousness in us, your righteousness in us that changes us. Father, bless your church, bless their lives, bless their businesses, bless their families, bless their jobs, everything that they do. Father, I pray as we go from here today that we would be a blessing to Gillette and Campbell County. Father, as we leave here, I thank you that your church in Campbell County and Gillette is called by your name, and we pray over your body today and ask that, Father, you would make us that light and salt to where things change because of you, not what we've done, but, Father, what you are doing and what you have done in us. We bless your holy name. We thank you, Father, for showing us what you require of us to walk justly, to love mercy. Oh, Father, we just worship you and praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.